Hi, I'm Rob Knight, the host of Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by the Out of Chicago Conference, bringing together passionate photographers for amazing photo experiences. This is TWIP, episode 460, Lytro's multi-dimensional 40K cinema camera. Since the introduction of its light field technology, Lytro has been at the forefront of computational photography. That's the science of using algorithms to do cool and amazing things with captured light. This time they're upping the ante way up with the introduction of the Lytro Cinema, a camera that the company says uses data on all of the available light in a photo to separate objects by depth and store them in a three-dimensional grid. The company has also announced Lytro Emerge, a camera that also uses Lytro's patented light field technology to produce cinematic VR for immersive storytelling. Also in the news this week, Facebook announced that they have finally opened up the API for Facebook Live, meaning developers can now tap into the service and create apps that stream directly to Facebook. And one of the first companies to integrate was DJI, the leader in the drone industry. DJI demonstrated the first Facebook live stream from a flying drone. It's Wednesday, April 13th, 2016, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here with me to discuss a few of the interesting stories affecting photographers this week. I'm joined by a new face to the This Week in Photo Network and host rotation. That's Mr. Chris Berry. You may have seen him on TWIP Talks, and now he's made his way into TWIP proper. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks, Frederick. <laughs> Good to see you. You're welcome, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on again. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. And also from Joseph Lenaski, Photo Joseph, the Batcave up north. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Batcave up there, dude, Joseph. You know you are building the Batcave. Pretty much. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. The, the video, which makes this show, Joseph, like particularly suited to you and your expertise, right? You've seen the show notes. So there's some things in here that I think that probably have you drooling and leaving puddles around the Batcave, right? <laughs> Not quite sure how to interpret that, but sure. <laughs> like like Archer would say, phrasing, phrasing. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into the show. It's, uh, this is going to be a really good show. Joseph, um, by the way, I just want to uh, let folks know you're at your URL is photoappsexpert.com, right? So Close enough, photoapps.expert, but you know, that would right too. <laughs> they put photoappsexpert. You you wouldn't use URLs. Who does these? All right, things? so we'll put uh, we'll put all that in the show notes, so people should check it out before before we go in. So fo the Photo Apps Expert site, what it, what is it for? What's it? What's so the Photo Apps Expert goal? is the rebirth of what used to be Aperture Expert, which was at the time the world's number one resource for Aperture users. 
given that Aperture is no longer with us, we uh, <laughs> the site it's has still here. The it's si- still here. Yeah. Hanging on. Oh, barely. Uh, the site has evolved into PhotoApps.expert, which is basically a resource for all photo-related apps. So if there's an app that's got a the photo attached to it one way or another, we talk about it on there. It can be desktop or mobile, uh, Windows, iOS, Mac, whatever platform, Android, whatever platform you got. We will cover it. We will talk about it. Awesome. And you're working on something else too, right? You want to oh. give a little teaser, Ooh, foreshadowing, a little reveal? foreshadowing, a little little twip, a uh, little little extra twip action here. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Just the twip, Joseph. Just the twip. Just the twip, and only the twip. <laughs> Frederick, behave yourself. <laughs> Hey, I just got back from Mexico. Come on. I'm vacation. I'm still, I'm still in so you the were know, inappropriate mode. See, they tried to tell us that you were working, but I never believed that. I don't think you actually work. That's my theory. Yeah, so we've, uh, we, are, we are about to launch the Twip Apps show, a whole new podcast on this network called Twip Apps. We have recorded three episodes. Uh, we're actually recording a fourth one today, and we'll get those first three into the queue for launch, which, if all goes to schedule, will be probably a day after listeners are getting this for the first time. Yeah, 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 it's going to rock. I'm really, really looking forward to that show. I think it's going to serve a kind of a – it's almost like Apple. You know how Apple launches products that we didn't know we needed until we get them, and then we don't know how we live without them? Exactly. <laughs> I think that your show is like that because it's like – you know, I need, I keep saying this, we need curation. I look at my phone and it's just littered with all these different things. And, you know, I'm like, oh, it's depressing whenever I look at it. So every now and then I go through this, you know, app bankruptcy and I just purge Purge, everything off of there (laughs) and start putting new ones. It would be great to have someone that told me the good stuff to buy or try or so. Joseph's that guy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what this is. I mean, the, the whole idea behind the show is that every episode is focuses on one app, and it's not me giving a demo of the app. It's me interviewing the developer or some representative from the company. So yeah. we are talking to the company themselves, um, and uh, there we're discussing the app. We talk about it, and then we get a demo from them. And so I can over t- you know talk over their demo, interrupt them, and ask the hard questions. Does it really do this? How does this work? And make sure that we're getting the demo that I want to see is uh, hopefully what you guys want to see. And I love it. at the end of that, you'll it. know hey, whether you I want have to a buy request, Joseph. Yeah, I have a request. Uh, Mylio, I would like to have you. Yeah, I would like you to go tackle that one and tell us if we should reconsider it now. Because I remember they launched like a year or so ago, oh, and then it's kind been of a couple of years, but yeah, you know, lost some altitude. And and now I'm seeing updates that they fixed and changed a bunch of the things that I was griping about back okay. then. And it, I think it may be a viable solution again. So, it's it's a great yeah. solution. There's no question about it. Um, I actually use it now myself. So oh. uh, yeah, for my personal stuff. So I'm using Lightroom for my professional work and Milio for my personal, you know, family photos and just, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm loving it. It definitely needed some, I've, I kind of went, I started with it and dropped it. Uh, maybe six months or a year later, came back to it again, saw that it was really close to what I wanted. And uh, the good thing about having the site that I have is I have a voice and I've been able yeah. to get the developers at Mylio to add the two features that uh, were killing me. One of them is already in the app and the other one they've confirmed they've got it working and we're just waiting for it to get uh, released on the App Store. Thank you, Joseph, wow. the voice yes. of the people. Yeah. But yeah, we will absolutely get them on. I've already talked to them about getting them on. We don't have them scheduled, but they will be on the show without question. So, All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of people that have been on the show, Lytro is our first story. So way back when, I think before 
How's that for a segue, by the way? Yeah. Smooth. smooth. <laughs> I got to shine a light on that segue. <laughs> smooth like sandpaper. Which now makes it not a segue anymore. But, <laughs> but um, you know, Lytro, the, the folks came on the show before they launched the, the first Lytro camera. Remember the little rectangular tube or, or square Lipstick oblong camera. tube? Um, before they launched that, we talked to them about their light field technology, and they were at the time going... You know, they were going to revolutionize the consumer space for photography with the shoot now, focus later, all that that cool jazz. And then they launched the Lytro Illume, which was a slightly upper scale version of that camera, more targeted at advanced amateurs and and pro shooters, right. which had the same kind of light field technology in it. Again, shoot once and focus and pick your focus point later. So during during those conversations, as I recall, I think I brought up the idea of video. You know, and how this and people on the show and people in the audience commented on, wow, that's a great technology. But wouldn't it be great if you could apply that to video so I could shoot video and then pick my focus point later? Well, fast forward to today and Lytro has announced a couple days ago their 755 megapixel cinema light field camera, which, you know, looking at the videos on their site, which we all know, you know, are the best foot forward you know it's kind of the first date videos but they look amazing so uh chris i want to throw it to you first you've probably yeah. seen you've looked at these videos yeah. you looked at this oh, yeah. this from and the first let me preface this with with looking at this is they're 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 targeting the their new technologies as cinema and broadcast so they're probably not for us they may be for joseph but they're not for like normal folks that run and gun and shoot and use consumer devices but when you saw this was it what did you think? You know, from a consumer standpoint, was this like, Ugh. oh, you know, it was intimidating. It was yeah. intimidating because I, I, I see how awesome it would be if I had a team of people who were dedicated to thinking of a scene or an idea from the end result and then mm -hmm. kind of reverse engineering it and then just shooting it and doing a lot of stuff in post, which mm -hmm. just isn't what I do, period. I try and do as much as I can in camera, no matter what. With you know, I don't I don't spend a lot of time in Lightroom and such. Seeing what it can do was intimidating. It's like okay, I can see how awesome this is, but I can also see that it's probably not for me. But yeah. I just kept thinking about the horsepower it's going to take to deal with the files, and then I started hearing about a whole system about you know post processing and cloud and mm -hmm. all these types of things, and it just it, it blew my mind. It yeah. totally blew my mind. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah. I was looking at it, and you know, it's funny you say that because you're a Fuji shooter, as we've talked about on the on the other uh, Twip Talks episode, and you're a street photographer, yeah. and like like Valerie who hosts Street Focus. I don't know if all street photographers like this, but you guys seem to be purists in terms of I got to get it in the camera. And then you switch over to somebody like me who's not a street photographer, and I look at when I go out and shoot like. I'm gathering raw materials for what will soon be synthesized <laughs> into something, into something awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Joseph, now, okay, you, you, like I said, you're building the Batcave over there, and some of the technology that they put in this light field camera, particularly the green screen on everything in the scene, um, as a possibility, does this excite you, or is it, uh, you know, is it too out of reach? Well, I mean, it's certainly too out of reach for anything I would do. It's, it, it, I don't think I even saw a price, but given no. what requirements go along with the camera as far as gathering the footage, gathering the data, it's, it, what does it say? It captures 400 gigabytes per second of footage. <laughs> 
it's I you know I I can't even get my brain around right. how much it's, data. Right, it's phenomenal. Um, so obviously this isn't the kind of thing that, or I don't think, probably almost nobody will own this. This is going to be the kind of thing that people will lease for a shoot, like Ari or something like that. Yeah, I mean you know maybe maybe the next uh, Avatar kind of thing. You know, use it for something like that. But it's obviously this is not designed for your average consumer. But what's what's exciting to me. Okay, so we saw Lytro kind of, basically they came out with the, the Illum, um, or Ilium, Ilum, whichever it was, and Illum. Did, Illum. didn't do well, um, unfortunately, and the camera basically shuttered. And I thought they were basically gone, but clearly they weren't. I think this is an example of what you can do when you say, I don't care what it costs, I'm just going to build the best technology possible. And there's no question this is unbelievable technology, what they've done. Now, you know, okay, we're like you, I've only seen a demo, um, and a lot of skepticism bouncing around Facebook on it. The only reason that I would not discard it out of hand is one of the people in the primary video, uh, Ted Shilowitz, is a friend of mine, and I, I know this guy, I know his history, and if he's on there saying this thing is awesome, then there's something to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing it at NAB next week. I'm definitely going to go check it out. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting take on what can be done. And you know, if, if it's nothing more than a technology demo, it's a hell of a technology demo. But... It's interesting. Yeah, and that's what I wrote in my notes here. I wrote technology demo and perhaps even a, a consumer preview. Because you know, these, these things start high. Like, look at Red, right? Red started with these cameras that no one could afford. And then slowly but surely, they trickled down into cameras that a few people could afford. You know? So <laughs> well, but they're even, still expensive, but they're amazing. And they're within reach, so to speak, right? Well, even using 4K, Red started is I believe 4K was the first thing that Red was doing. And that was, yeah, at the time, yeah. was just, that was mind-numbing. 4K, are you kidding me? You know, HD was just becoming popular. And right. Red's working on 4K. What is that? Why would you, wait, what? Uh, now, step forward to today, and 4K is in a lot of cameras that you buy. You know, a lot of small cameras for un well under $1,000 you can get and shoot 4K video. So 4K is like, ah, whatever now. Of course, Red's doing phone. 5 and 6 and 8K now. So that's up there. And now these guys, when, I mean, this thing calls it 40K resolution. Now, I I will point out that I remember with the with the LM, they talked about all this this resolution that's there, and they're kind of cal calculating three-dimensional space resolution. It's not like it's 20,000 pixels by 20,000 pixels. That's not what this is. It's it's a three-dimensional space calculation. So this 40K resolution is not, doesn't mean you're going to make a print that's a, a mile wide. It's something different yeah. than that. But um, yeah, I mean, you yeah. could you could look at it as I mean, if you if you switch your brain into three dimensional mode, it could be, you know, 4K on this plane and then the next plane. That's another 4K. Then the next plane, you know, going back into three dimensional space, right. you compute all those together and then that gives you 40K. But yeah, you're right at that. Uh, at, well, four, 300 frames per second is crazy and 400 gigabytes a second, which means like Chris was saying. There's that sidecar little R2-D2 server that comes right. with this thing. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a nightmare, and it sounds like you'd be throwing out a ton of data. Because if you take that pool, that pool table scenario where they're kind of slowing down the cue ball and such, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. sounds like you would shoot a scene with a certain idea and you would only manipulate a small part of that scene. Yeah. And then you'd throw the rest out. So you maybe would collect you know, and throw away maybe 90% of the data, maybe, you know, unless yeah, it's for that one scene. You depending know? on the scene, but also it could be, I mean, there's, there's, my brain is like spinning with all the possibilities yeah. that could happen from this. Cause you're in, and from a business standpoint, I was thinking the complexity of this system 
makes me think that it's going to have to come with a consultant. You know, a trainer. <laughs> right? Joseph, like, I mean, it's going to have to come with somebody and say, okay, hey, because a director or a new photographer, they don't have a whole lot of time to be on set messing around with R2-D2 and getting it to connect to this brand new kind of camera and making sure that it is actually writing, you know, 400 gigabytes to this, you know, all right. this stuff. Uh, you need somebody to babysit that. So maybe that's going to be part of their overall maybe. package. I mean, if Lytro is listening like they did last time and they thought about, you know, video after they heard your show, maybe they <laughs> yeah. can have like, you know, like a, a team of people who do post-processing for, you know, for clients and such. Like, sure. you know, yeah. you can send out you know, a batch of prints and you can have someone do retouching. It would be like retouching on steroids, but for, for this, this camera. Yeah. Yeah. But they say, they say that things that you can change later are depth of field, focus position, shutter speed, or dynamic range can take place after the fact, thanks to their, you know, dynamic data. And just for the folks that don't know their light field, I'm going to do a horrible job at explaining it, <laughs> but light field technology um, is kind of like, if you remember ray tracing from 3d rendering, where you are measuring the path of each ray of light or in some cases each photon and how it bounces off surfaces and where it travels within the scene thereby giving you a and if you do that a, a gazillion times and measure each one of those rays you can do things for example in 3d you can say okay that ball over there is made of this and when a photon hits it, it does, it'll either scatter or be absorbed or reflect or whatever. So you can then say that that ball is chrome or that ball is made of plastic or whatever. This light field technology does a similar thing where it's measuring the light traveling within the scene for every single frame at 300 frames per second wow. and doing that's where all that processing speed that's comes a in gnarly so it's, amount of information. yeah i mean it's it's brain <laughs> it's just like this science fiction what the processing power that's going on there yeah. to measure that and then after the fact that allows you to then step back into the scene and then look around and make changes after the fact because you have a mountain of data to recreate it's almost like your brain yeah, to recreate say, that scene. It sounds like like a functional magnetic resonance image or something like that. Yeah. You know, for like some type mm -hmm. of functional MRI. So I, if I recall correctly, because I was looking at the Illum a while ago, but I was like, nah, I think this is a little bit too much. And then I wound up seeing it at Burning Man, which is a thing I do a lot, talk about mm -hmm. too much. But it was just, I got a, a chance to mess with it. It was just slow. The guy was confused. Like he mm -hmm. didn't know you know, how to get the results out of it. He had, it, it, they were late getting it to him. There, there was a huge demand for it. But it, it sounds like that idea of measuring everything you can possibly measure and then kind of taking away what you, what you want from it. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's incredible. Sounds yeah. incredible. So <clears throat> there's, there's, a, there's a lot of crazy stuff about this. And then I was thinking as I was reading this, because I'm on this, you know, Joseph, you know, I go on these tangents and these, these tech, techno lust, you know, spirit <laughs> journeys every now and then. <laughs> and my latest techno lust spirit journey has been learning about 3D and VR mm -hmm. and all this cool stuff. So I'm reading, I'm reading about this new Lytro Cinema. And I'm like, oh, man, what if they apply VEC technology to VR? Right. So then I go to their page and the next tab, the next tab over <laughs> is Lytro Emerge. Did you guys see that on um, on the Lytro page? They've created this new device. They call it the world's first professional light field solution for cinematic VR, providing lifelike presence 
for live action VR through six degrees of freedom. And the thing looks like something wow. that fell off a spaceship or something. And, you know, I watched the video and all this and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> so they're applying light field technology to VR. Now imagine, so we were just talking about, okay, all the processing power that it takes to, to, to capture the data in a field of view in front of you in the rectangle. Now imagine capturing 360 degrees wow. of resolution in real time, in high resolution, allowing you to look around in that, I mean, and move through it. That's that's science fiction. That's I think wow. that's really science fiction. Wow, it's like a holodeck. It's a, yeah, exactly like a holodeck. You know, it's a it's a holodeck capture, not an emitter. Joseph, yeah, yeah. what did you think about this? So you're looking at it now. I, I see. Am, you, yeah, I, like, I hadn't seen the emerge yet. That's. Uh, I mean, I, I have. So I haven't watched their video. Um, there's not a whole lot on here except fill out a form to get more info. And do you have an idea yeah. for a production? Uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, they're coming up with some cool ideas. That is for sure. One thing I'd so, wanted to mention yeah. on the on the cinema camera. Uh, if you go to their website and there's a you know fill out more for more information. Uh, and they ask you about your next production and what your budget is. And the first option is under ten million. Right. So <laughs> that well, that's, that's option me. one. So maybe which I means, right, which means when when you fill it out, if you click the under ten million and hit submit, that immediately goes into the reject pile. And right. the next options are ten to twenty five, twenty six to fifty, and over fifty million. So if you click over fifty million, Bravo. you'll get a phone call. Good for them. Under Good ten for them. Boom. So then, okay, so then the, that's a perfect segue. Thank you, Joseph. Um, the next thing in my notes was, is Lytro now, have they abandoned the whole consumer space? Because you look way to the right, there's Lytro imaging and there's the Illum and all that stuff. Front and center is Lytro Cin Cinema and Lytro Emerge. Is this, yeah, and I would, I would applaud them if this was the direction that they're going in, saying that that consumer stuff was a demonstration of the technology. It generated enough revenue to allow us to build this real stuff, which is our real goal, so that we can charge these kind of crazy high numbers instead of, you know, bottom feeding for the consumers and, and, and you know, fighting with Panasonic and Sony and all those guys. We're out of that. Now we're in the stratosphere. Joseph, do you think, is that the new Lytro? The new Lytro yeah, is now that seems logical. That seems logical because the consumer slash pro-grade still cameras never really caught on. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to talk ill of the company, but I would I would think that a lot of that had to do with how it was marketed. I, I think that they went after the wrong, wrong market and wrong approach to selling the camera. Um, people never got it, and a lot of the press was, you know, as we've even said on the show, you know, what's the point of focusing later? Can't you get it right the first time? Um, is it really worth the risk of losing all the resolution that you lose so that you can just choose your focus point later? And right. there's a, a lot of possibilities with that camera. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back before it was launched, Lytra actually hired me to go shoot with the camera. And I had a prototype, a 3D printed prototype that I took to Hong Kong and did a bunch of images for them. And when I came back, they, didn't, they ended up not using any of it because it wasn't telling the story they wanted to tell, something that was not communicated to me before I left, obviously. Um, and they told me what the story they wanted to tell, and I disagreed. I'm like, that, that's, not, that's not what, you know, I'm a professional photographer. I'm your target market, and the story you're telling me doesn't interest me. The story that I'm telling interests me, but, uh, mm. you know, it is what it that's, is. Yeah. Well, hey, that's it's an indication. So maybe that I don't know. Who knows? We're armchair quarterbacking, but you know, who, I agree because I I think I went on. What was it? I think it was Tech TV when that or around when it came out, and they did like this this thing where they gave me 
um, Elytro and like four or five other people Elytro and we went out on the streets of San Francisco to use them and you know they followed us around with the camera crew and all that and I think my my uh, opinion after it was yeah it seems cool but I would probably never ever use it you know why why would I use it and I think I, I may have even said something like it felt like a like a cure in search of its disease because <laughs> I didn't feel like <laughs> It's like they build this awesome cure, but you know what? What are you curing? Because I know how to focus, and my Lumix cameras focus really fast. And you know, yeah. So, which isn't necessarily a bad approach, right? Go ahead, go ahead, ahead, Joseph. Oh, okay. I was going to say you nailed it right there because your question was, who are they building this product for? You know, they they've generated ideas and you know excitement about it. Then they go way upscale. You know, yeah. so they built a cure and the disease will come at a later date. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, to the, to the company's defense, that's technology. You sure. build these things. Like we said at the beginning, you build these things and then people find a cool new thing or a cool new way to express themselves with this new tool that wasn't possible before. That's called high tech, you know, and leading edge stuff. These new cameras that they're coming out with, the Lytro Cinema and the Lytro Emerge, they look fantastic. The Lytro Cinema makes me salivate. But again, I'm like, uh, you know, that's I'd love to play around with it. But Chris, like you're saying, I, I, I don't know if today I would find a use for it. The Lytro Emerge looks really, really interesting because of the direction that all this 3D stuff is going and this VR stuff, especially, you know, one of the stories we're going to talk about in a minute is Facebook and they're doubling down on this VR stuff. It doesn't seem to be going away. It seems to be one of those technologies where okay, you better get on board now because the train is leaving the station. There's going to be boxcars, you know, later on that you could probably hop onto. But if you want right. to be in the front, get on the, get on the train now. That's, that's what my friend Trey Ratcliffe does. Trey, Trey Ratcliffe, whenever something new kind of pokes its head above the ocean, he's uh, on it. He's yeah, on it. Like yeah. yesterday, he's posting about, hey, I'm streaming live from my drone to, you know, to Facebook now, you know, and yeah. then just launch the thing. So I don't know. So, Joseph, speaking of new cameras, you and this is a segue into our next story. Um, you and I both shoot Lumix. Chris, sorry, you shoot Fuji. We won't hold that against you. <laughs> it's OK. It's OK. We, we love Fuji here on this week. Some of my best friends shoot Fuji. Um, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds so condescending. <laughs> but Joseph and I shoot Lumix. Uh, Lumix is a micro four third system. And Joseph, you you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago as we were planning the Twip app show mm-hmm. and you revealed that you were working on something that you couldn't talk about. That's right. But you were really excited about it. Tell us what you were working on now, because I know whatever it was launched last week. It right? did. It did. And my plan is to show it to you. But for some reason, one of my systems just completely shut down on me. So I'm going to try and do a rescue reboot here and see what happens. Okay. Oh, All right. We'll on. go ahead. So while so while I, you're trying to do the rescue yeah, reboot, I can't, I'll, I can't, I'll I can't talk control over. my switching for some reason. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So the it's a brand new camera, and well, let me. Where do you want me to start? Should I start with my with what I was doing, or should I start with the uh, the device itself? We'll start with the camera and then work work backwards from there. Okay. Cool. So the camera is the GX85, as it'll be known in the U.S. and a GX80 in Europe. And surprisingly, I didn't even know this. It's being called the G7. G7, GX7 Mark II in Japan. Okay. No idea. But anyway, so it's a G, if you're listening to this in the US, it's GX85. In Europe, it's GX80. And what it is is a, the way I would describe it is the baby brother to the GX8, which is the new flagship still photographer's camera. 
and there we go. And it is a smaller baby version of that camera with almost all the same features minus the new sensor. It's got the, the traditional 16 megapixel sensor and minus the weatherproofing and minus one thing that we really like, which is the anti-aliasing filter. There's no anti-aliasing filter on the sensor, which makes your images sharper, considerably sharper. There, it's, it's a phenomenally sharp camera to work with. And um, the only disadvantage not having the anti-aliasing is you can pick up more A where you wouldn't before. So it's a it's a nice trade-off to have and one that I'm welcome to have because Moray isn't something that I really often have to worry about. So it's it's a beautiful piece of kit. It's very small and lightweight. It's targeted at the street photographer and travel photographer. And so if you want a full-featured, fully capable micro four-thirds camera that shoots 4K, autofocuses like nothing you've seen, and has built-in stabilization when both the lens and the sensor working together, so the dual act, dual stabilization, then uh, uh, this is definitely the camera to look at. It is it is pretty beautiful. So you know, I have I have a couple of Lumix cameras. I have right now my favorite camera that I've been taking all over the place um, with me, and it's performed like a monster. Is that GX8? I love the GX8, um, and I have a G7 as well. So where where does this fit in? Is this a camera that's for a new Lumix purchaser, or is it? Well, it certainly could be. Absolutely could be. So if this yeah, could be a great first Lumix camera. Um, if you are, it's kind of funny. We talk about, oh, it's smaller and lighter. So if you know that, that GX8 and GH4 are too big to carry around for you, then you can go for the GX85. And then you can pair that GX8 and the GH4 to your Canon or Nikon. And it's already yeah. much smaller. Yeah. But it, it is a very small, lightweight camera. So again, it goes back to that whole travel and street photographer idea. Um, the the reason that it comes up as a street photographer's camera is because it's so small. It doesn't look like a big honking professional camera. Right? So if you right. want to shoot on the street and be be um, be a bit more stealthy, be a, be a bit quieter, it's a great camera for that. It's got got the flip up LCD. So um, instead of the full articulating out, which meant if you wanted to shoot, shoot at waist level, you kind of had this thing sticking out the side. This goes back to the old GX7 model of having uh, an LCD that simply pops up and it tilts down as well, but pops up instead of sliding out. So you can much more easily do that and more discreetly do that waist level photography. It's yeah. pretty slick. Yeah. So one last question on positioning of this thing, where, and I can't really get a feel for the size of it, looking at the photo here, where does it fit in terms of the, um, what is it? So the GM5, which is their little tiny tiny microscopic, almost micro four thirds camera. <laughs> does it, that's a small guy. And then where does it fit? Is it like someone that that's looking at the GM5, but they're like, oh, I need something with 4K and a little bit bigger? Like The GM5 was pretty, I mean, GM5 is microscopic. That's a super, super tiny camera. Um, it doesn't have that many buttons to program on it. it it's lacking some of the key features and, and the faster autofocus. So the this is more size-wise, it's more like the LX100. If This actually is probably a good comparison. Think of it like an uh, LX100 with interchangeable lenses, if you're trying to compare it to previous oh, cameras. Oh, perfect, because I have an LX100 and I love that camera. Yeah, LX100 okay. is a fantastic camera. So it's very similar to that as far as the the size and the feel of it goes. Okay, in that, fact, that puts it in perfect perspective. Yeah, in fact, and if it I, looks if like I it's a little bit cheaper right, too, it's 800 bucks. Yeah, it takes the same battery as the LX100 did, so that's a, ah. yeah. Excellent. So, are, did you get your uh, no, situation worked out over there? No, I don't know why this system is not is not running. So, um, 
what we can do, since uh, obviously we're going to uh, edit this later, let's just say right now we're going to play the video. Boom. There you go. <laughs> and we can insert the or video. We'll just, um, is, is that video on YouTube? Uh, it is on YouTube. And um, so I've just lost control of my entire switching system because I can't log in. My The system that I use to do my switching has crashed and will not boot up right now. Um, oh, yeah. Which actually, no hold on. Let me no see. No worries. If, we'll, see. we'll embed it in the page for this episode. You know what? Actually, hold on. Hold on a second. I might actually. Uh -oh. Tell me. Tell me momentarily here. It's Bruce Wayne at work. Oh, Look at him. oh hell yeah. The problem solver. <laughs> hell to the yeah. Okay. All right, here. I'm going to pull up. I guess I need to pull up something for you to look at so we can verify if I'm switching screens or not. Um, just a stupid photo. Okay. Tell me if. Yep, that way does work. Yes. Great. Okay. We'll see a photo. Okay, good. So we can do this. Let's go back and get the video up. All right. And for you folks that are listening to the audio feed, apologies. If you want to watch this video that Joseph is about to see, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com and come to episode 460. That's where this video lives. That's right. Absolutely. And you'll still, even without seeing it, you'll hear a lot. But okay. So now, now that I know I can play the video, let me build up the video what this is. So yeah, okay. uh, for every, uh, every major camera launch that Panasonic does, they create a couple of you know, marketing videos around it. Um, and one of those is called the impressions video. And the, the idea behind the impressions video is you have a crew working with a photographer, filming them, filming that photographer, shooting with this new camera. And then it's accompanied by, uh, so you'll see in the video, you see the photographer shooting, you see some of the footage the photographer shot, and then a voiceover from the photographer talking about what they, you know, their experiences, their impressions of the camera. So Panasonic asked me to do one of these, uh, and they asked me to go take this camera to New Orleans or Nolens. And I'd never been there before, which made Ooh. this, really cool for me to be able to do. So this is my my project. Um, I was the director and script writer on this project. We had a, quite a significant crew on board. We had a, a, you know, hired a producer, a, a DP, a PA, we had a local fixer, and then locally here we had an editor, motion graphics, sound mixer, and a musician all working together to create this project. So pretty uh, pretty robust project, nice. and that's what it is. That's the lead up. Let's, uh, let's play this thing, here we go. R roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> When it comes to street photography, New Orleans is one of the greatest cities I've ever explored. So much color, so much history, so many amazing people. Happy Tuesday! What's not to love? I took the GX85 everywhere, wandering the streets, to restaurants, museums, even on a horse-drawn carriage. And I love how this camera performed. It's so compact that I could easily fit the camera in two or three lenses in my little camera bag. The flip-up LCD allowed me to shoot from waist level, and the built-in stabilization kept my video nice and smooth. One of the standout features in this new camera is that there's no anti-aliasing filter on the sensor. It turns out this makes for amazingly sharp photos, which became really obvious when I shot in black and white. On the other hand, the richness of colors in this new Lumix really blew me away. I met this wonderful artist called Frenchie, and he invited me into his studio to shoot him working. The phenomenal colors of his artwork look so incredible on the back of my camera, and those intense colors look exactly the same when shooting 4K video. I love shooting at night, but I don't like carrying a tripod, so the dual stabilization in the GX85, where the sensor and the lens move together to keep shots steady, was awesome and allowed me to shoot handheld everywhere I went. 
Of course, not all photography is fast-paced, and taking time to explore the early morning light at the Beauregard Kai's house is a great example of that. Without a tripod, shooting handheld at a 20th of a second was easy, and my shots turned out perfectly sharp. I love food. So getting a few minutes to shoot in the kitchen of the famous Giacomo's restaurant was a blast. It's fast-paced, and I was always in the way. But one of the latest developments in photography that was incredibly useful in this situation is 4K photo mode, which basically lets me shoot 8 megapixel stills at 30 frames per second. Without a doubt, the highlight of my trip was seeing little Freddie King play the blues on a back porch in New Orleans. Everything came together here. The incredible colors that feel so right in this city. Jumping between video and stills by just pushing a different button. And of course, portraiture. My favorite moment and favorite photo from this visit is seen in this portrait. If there is ever a character that sums up the soul of New Orleans, it's Little Freddie King. Okay, bye-bye. I'm Photo Joseph, photographic storyteller and Lumix luminary. That is fantastic, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you that very is, much. You know what I was thinking? Joseph needs his own television show. This is like Anthony Bourdain or something. It, felt, it had that sort of you know, golden it, it, voice, too. It's so it funny that you feel. say that. The, so the ending shot, um, we shot that about probably halfway through the production because we were shooting the sunrise um, over the city from across the river. And uh, as we're packed up and we're leaving and we see that really dark, just barely a little bit of light left on the horizon. The city lights are on. And I go, oh, my God, this would be a great closing shot, right? Let's do this closing shot. And originally, it was just me pick up the camera and put it down again. And then the DP goes, oh, you got you got to walk out. I do that. Put it down and walk out of camera. It'll be an Anthony Bourdain closing. <laughs> Perfect. Like, and it worked. I, mean, I love Bourdain. But I got that right at the beginning. I mean, even even your, your, you know, your voice sounded very relaxed and Anthony Bourdain in a new city kind of thing. You should do that. I mean, that was really good. Thank Congratulations, you. man. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So one of one of the highlights of watching that video was watching it and watching Chris watch that video. <laughs> and I'm watching you watch the video. Did you see what was going on here? I, I like, saw. I think I ooh. saw your mouth open a little like, millimeter man. wider. Like, oh, wait, wait. I you could do I stills and video that. and eight megapixels still. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh my God, what's happening to me right now? <laughs> More confusion to the mix. Hey, have your credit card available? Colors are standing by. <laughs> that is cool, man. That was a really good video. And what Thank what you, was the so the video itself obviously wasn't shot on Lumix gear, but you know the the interspersed video that you were shooting and showing was right. right? Anything that didn't have me in it was shot with the GX eighty five the video that had me in it was shot on a gh4 oh it was gh4 oh, so yeah. all the whole thing is michael four thirty. oh of course absolutely yeah that was shot on a gh4 um on a handheld i mean obviously there's a lot of shots that are on sticks as well but for the most part handheld with uh, an atomos ninja assassin so we were capturing straight to the ssd card at 10 bit 422 which is just yeah. phenomenal and um yeah that's that's how it was all shot and then that's one cool. of the things that there was Kind of, you know, I'm. I've. This is. Uh, you know, I'm getting more and more into video, uh, obviously. And 
one of the things that we did on this production that I hadn't really worked with before was having a, a variable neutral density filter on the lens. So instead mm -hmm. of having to change aperture to change your exposure, because uh, you know your shutter speed's pretty well locked because you want that to have this the a consistent frame rate, consistent uh, not frame rate, consistent shutter speed for that same cinematic effect all the way through. Um, your ISO obviously can change, and you'll change that as you go, but you don't want to change it too much. Uh, and you don't want to change the aperture because you have a depth of field that you want for a particular shot. But the variable ND allowed us to change ap uh, change the exposure smoothly, so you're not stepping from one aperture to another. You've got infinite variation as you as you just twist that variable ND and move between shots, or you need to make it a little brighter, a little darker. You know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So many so many little gadgets sure. that I need. You know, it's that that smooth gradation of changing exposure over time. Um, I found that on the the DJI Osmo that I shoot, mm -hmm. when you you know you have it in auto mode, obviously, but it does this. And you know, other cameras, obviously, when they're in auto mode, they'll they'll change exposure as it you know since it changes in the in the the lighting environment. But it also does that sort of smooth, almost human like change of the exposure over time, so that it's almost imperceivable when you move from inside to outside. You know, normally it's like, oh, it's bright. You know, and then it kind of sure. cuts down and gives you it's like you go outside. It's almost like you're like it reacts almost like your eye reacts. So that's really cool. Nice. All right, Joseph. So that, that GX. So GX 80 and GX 85, um, you know, we're going to have to get those in the hands of Doug K and Gordon Lang. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really oh, put them, yeah, yeah. So, so Panasonic, if you're listening, send them to Doug K and Gordon Lang. Get, let them put it through, put, put them through their paces. The just last question, the 80 and the 85, what are the differences between those two bodies? It, nothing. It's just a designation for different regions. Oh, OK. I don't which I don't understand. I mean, a lot of camera manufacturers do that. There's a different model number for different regions. And I don't I don't know why. Um, you know, Apple doesn't mm -hmm. do that. Right. It's it's the iPhone mm -hmm. six plus and it's the same iPhone six plus everywhere. Uh, I don't know why there's a different designation, but who knows? Who knows? Could, lawyers. It's all lawyers. 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 All right, guys, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about DJI and the fact that they just launched their first drone based live stream on Facebook. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or 
you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds, and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, we are back at the F8 conference for Facebook developers. Facebook opened up its Facebook live streaming API to developers, and guess who was first? DJI. They jumped on board to demonstrate it using a modified Phantom 4 drone. So essentially what this means is coming very soon to a drone near you, people will be able to fly their drones and transmit live footage or live stream that footage down to Facebook. This isn't new. So the drones themselves, in fact, my Phantom 3 is able to connect to YouTube and live stream to YouTube right now. So now Facebook is getting into the live streaming game. And of course, DJI is, is capitalizing on that. Chris, you have a drone. Do you care I, about this? I do care about this. I do. <laughs> I Like last time, I'm in between drones. I actually sold my Inspire. Um, and I'm hoping that there's an Inspire 2 that comes out. Or I might just pick up a Phantom 4. I don't know. Um, but I've owned 3DR solos. I've built you know, flight tests, little kits and such. But this, for me, is a big deal. Um, I'm a realtor here in Arizona. And I use drones to film you know, for you know, products and mm -hmm. all different things. Not for commercial stuff. purposes. It's for your Not own for personal use, This right? is for my <laughs> own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so the idea of being able to stream to Facebook is super cool. Is is yeah. it's incredible. I I can't help but to feel that Facebook is trying to move in on the YouTube stuff. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> quite a, you know, yeah. quite a bit cuz video is like, you know, this hot thing, but I think it's I it, this technology is blowing my mind these days. Blowing yeah. my mind. Yeah. yeah, and and it's getting easier like things like with the what is it the the Phantom 4 the one thing that that the well, one of the things that the Phantom Three is missing is obviously that object avoidance and collision detection avoidance, whatever system, so that you don't, it won't fly into walls and and that sort of thing. But also the fact that you can have it do well, you can do this. You can do sort of these autonomous flight modes with the Phantom Three, where you can say, "Here's a point, orbit that point, or go along a line and keep your camera focused on that point." But they've upped the ante with the Phantom Four to do that kind of thing. I think. Overlaying that with live streaming gets things makes things a little bit interesting. The one thing that popped into my head when I was I was looking at this, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but what about audio? You right, know? right, so right. I was just thinking that. What is, are all these drone flights going to be? You know, just 
like just quiet, know, serene. Quiet, or can can I put a mic on my controller and narrate to Facebook while my pilot or while my aircraft is flying? Joseph, that's what that do you think? Be I mean, no, that, did you think about logical. that? Yeah, because obviously you can't have the mic in the camera because all you'd hear is so. Right. Uh, no, that's very the very logical way to do it would be to have a mic on the controller that you can narrate. Um, and then if you've got a mic input on the controller, at that point, you could do anything. You could hook it up to a wireless lav and put somebody else out there. You could you, know, you could have someone who's standing on the cliff with a, and they're talking into their mic on a wireless lav and the drone's flying around them. And as long as the drone's far enough away, you don't hear it. Um, yeah. yeah, lots of options yeah. there. Yeah. Is this something you would use, Joseph, in your in your sort of day to day work? But last time we talked, I, if I remember, I got to call you out on this. You were like, ah, you know, I don't fe- I don't see a reason for drones in my work. You well, not, no, I mean, in OK, I, I don't own a drone and I am very unlikely to buy one other than maybe get a, a little toy one to play with with the kids. But because I'm you know, my photography is, is commercial. It's professional photography, and I can't use a drone for professional commercial work without an FAA license. And I'm, I've been approached many times by drone operators who, well, I don't want to call them operators, drone owners, who want me to hire them for productions. Uh, great. Show me your, your license. Oh, I don't have one. Uh, why do you need that? That's stupid. You don't need that. Ah, you don't need it. Don't worry about it. You won't get caught. I'm sorry. This is my livelihood here. I'm not going down that road. Famous last words. Uh, and Famous I actually do words. have a licensed drone operator here in town that I can work with. So, yeah, it's yeah. uh well, hopefully those laws will change soon because it's uh yeah, it, there's a lot of video to be had. In fact, you know, it was interesting cuz those those rules are United States rules, right? Yeah. So that's that's the F, that's the FAA. And last week I spent the entire week in Mexico. Well, where apparently the FAA doesn't, doesn't have jurisdiction, doesn't reach. Not that I'm an, I'm in no way an irresponsible drone pilot. I'm like all the rules. Actually, all the rules that were that are here, I just applied them to Mexico just because I don't know what their rules are. So I just said, you know, I'm just going to apply. I'm going to operate as if I'm in the United States and I'm not only going to stay under 400 feet. I'm not going to fly over any lives, you know, none of that stuff. So I was in nerd mode and mostly i don't want my drone to be confiscated mode so <laughs> um, but but that said there are so many things that you that uh, that i felt like you can shoot down there that you can't you know it's you get nervous shooting sure. in the in the united states because of all this you know this legislation and, re- and rules and all this stuff so i don't know it's a i guess the the, the takeaway is it's a big world and it's, yeah. it extends beyond the borders than the US. of the United States of America. Very true. It's a beautiful Very true. world out there. And Joseph will not be flying anytime <laughs> soon. Now, don't Joseph, get me wrong. You I have think to that's get fabulous. one just, just to be, you know, just to know. You know, yeah. come on. I've got, I've got enough things to deal with. <laughs> I don't need another. <laughs> I know. Flying I know. is fun, but, it, you know, it's, it's easy for someone to jump on Amazon and spend 800 bucks and get a Phantom 3 and, you know, fly it fly it into somebody's house or something like that so i mean yeah. every time i've flown i go into a public place i find the nearest cop and i say hey you know because they're there i mean the the law the in the greater sense isn't there it's their judgment that's you know being factored into the decision making so you know you just be intelligent and you be smart and use common sense and literally they they say hey are you flying commercially yes or no is this for personal use yes or no you don't care what you do don't hit a power line, don't hit a person, and don't hit property. You know, and that's for that's at least for Arizona. Um, but the the object avoidance stuff, 
in a way, I, I mean, I like it. However, I like flying. Like, I like controlling a craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really, I, I, I wouldn't use it a terrible amount unless maybe yeah. I was flying far away, which in that sense, you shouldn't be. <laughs> should be well, in, in, sight, in some of those you know. modes, it's, it's going to, it doesn't care. It's like an airbag in your car, right? You can't, right. You can't you get can't. in your car and say, I'm not going to use airbags. I don't want to use you, right. <laughs> yeah. I know how to drive. I don't need this stinking airbag. I'm going to turn it off. You know, it's just going to be there if your drone goes, you know, you lose signal or it runs out of battery and decides it needs to return home. Instead right. of doing a beeline straight home, it's going to avoid stuff on its way there or just right. put itself down if you can't do that. Right. So, right. yeah, I know I hear you. And I'm that's part of the reason why I haven't upgraded my Phantom 3 to a Phantom 4 yet is because the Phantom 3, quote, is harder to fly, which is, you know, relatively Relative. speaking, uh-huh. with all that space age technology in there. Um, and I want to learn how to fly the thing before I... Re- it's like I want to learn how to drive a stick you should learn how to drive a stick before you get an automatic, right? Right. So yeah. you know how everything operates. And I feel like the Phantom 3 is the stick shift of drones. <laughs> yeah. Well, like um, Joseph said, just get one of those little ones to fly around with the kids. I mean, that's really how I started to learn. I got mm. those little... Those, those are impossible to fly. Those are <laughs> so... Exactly. They're so, so hard so to fly. So when I started building them, I was like, wow, this is so easy yeah you know yeah so who was it eric chang told me to get one of those in fact i read his book and in his book he says you know before you get the big drone get one of these little ones and fly that around and i told him when i got that little one and was playing trying to fly it around the house and i take it outside i'm like it was almost a discouraging factor for me getting the big drone it's like this if this little cheap thing is this hard to fly, there's no way I'm spending $1,200 to crash it like I'm crashing this little thing. But it turns out it's the reverse. It's the only right, one I've right. ever had is a cheap little like Radio Shack $40 thing or something like that. And you know it comes with, do not fly this outdoors. Well, I can't fly it indoors because as soon as I turn it on, it goes straight up and hits the ceiling and falls yep. down to the floor and that's the end of the flight. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. If, if your yeah. battery lasts that long. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, conversely, with the with the newer, more expensive drones like the Phantom Three, they've got the digital compass in there, the accelerometers, the GPS, even GLONASS tracking all that stuff. So, so they know how even if you let go of the controllers, they fix themselves in 3D space and stay there. Even if the wind is blowing on them, they it's just remarkable. stay there. So they're easy to fly. Conversely, these little ones. They don't fix themselves in 3D space. Nope. You have to. Nope. You're the GPS in the You're digital compass. You're the GLONASS. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. So this this live streaming stuff is interesting. Facebook is also uh, doubling down. It seems on this VR stuff. Like if you upload a 360 degree video into Facebook, it will recognize and decode it so that you can view it in 360 YouTube as well. So the two major players are building in these technologies so that we can do cool stuff. So I wanted to sort of segue this conversation into cool stuff. Joseph, starting with you. So looking at these new things that we can do and put on your your professional, you know, you have clients and, you know, put on that hat. Looking at all the cool stuff that we can do versus in the old days of shooting, quote, old days of just shooting video and stills. Now we have the ability to live stream to Facebook create VR immersive experiences, do crazy things with audio that we couldn't do before. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. All these cool things that we can do. From a professional standpoint, do you see yourself adding these to your things I can do list or offerings to proposals that you present to clients? Well, certainly drone drone photography or drone video, even though I won't be personally flying it, 
is absolutely something that I offer to my clients. And, yeah. uh, you know, even on this Lumix video, had the budget been higher, we would have likely brought in a drone and dealt with all the, the permits and all to do that. Because clearly there's no question that footage shot that way is just phenomenal. It's just so That's cool. Crazy. It looks so beautiful. So, yeah, why wouldn't we add that in? But it costs money. You know, it costs the, the cost of renting the drone. It costs the drone operator. It costs all the permits and everything else. So it adds to adds to the budget and, you know, budgets are finite and you got to do with what you can. Uh, yeah. But offering it, absolutely, 100%. It's something that I definitely want to be able to do. I do offer, so um, I just don't do it myself. Uh, yeah. And as far as the live streaming, um, you know, I've never, I haven't done any live streaming stuff for clients, but as you know, of course, I do a lot of live streaming on my own. That's what this whole production studio that we're looking at now is for. And so I'm doing it from a training perspective, but I absolutely do the live streaming and I can do um, chats, you know, live chat on the side and I can do Skype interviews and I can do call-ins, Skype call-ins during a live show. And all of that is set up now to be able to do it. So all those little bits of technology are absolutely getting played into my day-to-day professional work. Uh, I don't have a, a drone flying here to do it, but, uh, you know, you, you never know what but you will, can, will happen. So, so basically, so you have the, the massive front end there of all that, all that gear and you are set up to live stream right now. Mm-hmm. So with this new Facebook live streaming, uh, you know, service that they're building in now, you can plug into that if you wanted to and just kick off a live stream from Photo Joseph headquarters there mm-hmm. and stream to Facebook, right? Yeah, and it's something I'll definitely be looking at because right now I pay for a streaming service and I pay a monthly fee for that and I don't use YouTube Live because of the latency. So there's a, mm-hmm. a 30 odd second latency on YouTube Live, which makes it very difficult to do any kind of text chatting because if someone asks asks a question in text chat and I see that and respond to it, it's 30 seconds later. And then if I'm if I have a follow up question or they have a follow up question, then that's 30 seconds. It's just it's too long. It doesn't work. It yeah. needs to be closer to real time. Um, so the system that I have set up is only a couple seconds latency. So that works out great. But I have to pay for it. It's not free. Uh, right. Facebook. If and I'll take a look at it. Obviously, Facebook has a whole discovery feature. Right. The the fact that it's on your Facebook feed means it's discoverable, more people are likely to go, oh, what's going on? Click on it and join the show, which yeah. is phenomenal. You know, discovery it's is like huge. It's like Periscope kind of, and it, it's also, as I was reading and researching it, you can create a stream for a Facebook group. So you can do a private stream just for members of a particular group, okay. which has really interesting implications for, say, the TWIP Facebook group. We could do a stream just for people that are members of our TWIP Facebook group. and you know, make that exclusive to those folks instead of having the entire world in there. And the cool thing about the Facebook thing, much like Periscope, or maybe it's different than Periscope, but you can, um, listeners can like and favor, you know, do all those little icons as you do in the normal Facebook feeds. You can do that live over the video as the video's playing. And then when the video replays later, those reactions to the video also get replayed mm. so you can kind of see how people were reaction right. reacting chris what about you so joseph represents the far right side mm-hmm. you know technologically speaking not politically <laughs> oh, easy so <laughs> <laughs> the far right and Another chris segue. is on the far left <laughs> all right gentlemen let's have a debate so um so Chris, from a you're you know you're a self-admitted street photographer, looking at all the and, and someone who said at the beginning of the show you don't like messing with pixels after the fact, right? And all this no, stuff. You no, want no, to no. get it in camera. How does that play into all these other technologies that are that are here and w- sitting on the table waiting for you to use? Do you care about them or are you just like ah, I'm a purist? It's all candy. 
it's all fun. <laughs> you know, I like technology. I like having fun. I like mixing around. Um, but to an extent, it would be kind of overkill. You know, if I do get into sharing and have a, a even greater following and things like mm-hmm. that, and I go on adventures, which I have Iceland coming up, Cuba coming up, I, nice. I would like to, you know, share those types of adventures. Um, but I just get in this zone, you know, where I throw on my headphones, I put on some music, and I just go all over the place. So That's it cool. would, I think it would slow me down in a sense. But, you know, if I do, because sometimes I do bee capture for wedding photographers and things like that, that'd be something that I would do for like behind the scenes stuff or, you know, things like that is to capture, you know, what's going on. Um, The drone stuff, I could see that being something that I incorporate because I know with the Phantom 4, you know, you can do object tracking and things Mm -hmm. like that. And that thing Mm -hmm. goes like 30 or 45 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. You know, so if I'm in an open area and it's safe and I'm doing my street photography, then I can see streaming, you know, my own episode of Chris and wherever, you mm-hmm. know, capturing a landscape or this or a street or that or the ocean or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think for me, you know, my life is crazy enough anyway that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I would keep it down to like one or two things and then really have fun with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just cool. There's just so many cool tools. And in the in the announcement on Facebook's blog, they talked about the Osmo, which is this guy that I know and love, this little thing. So the Osmo, all all of DJI's, you know, aircraft and handheld cameras, etc., run through their app, which is called the DJI Go app. So if you're if you're flying a Phantom Four, Phantom Three, using the Osmo, the Inspire, it's the same app no matter what so they said that they're upgrading the app to allow the app to connect to facebook you know and live stream through facebook which means the osmo which is a handheld gimbal stabilized camera will allow you to stream live to facebook from your hand so i think that stuff is cool like on like joseph if you had one of these walk around new orleans without that crew then you could have still gotten some you know, reasonably interesting footage sure. walking around just handheld with man on camera, you know, and streaming directly to Facebook as part of that overall package that you presented Panasonic with, you know, in the obviously with the caveat that when you recorded that video, it was still super secret. But if it wasn't, you could have like said, hey, we're on the street here doing a video for Panasonic. Hey, come look behind the scenes of us making this thing and had your Facebook sure. followers see you live with a stabilized camera at because I know Joseph's Joseph's aesthetic and attention to detail is up here, so out, yeah. <laughs> so the Osmo quality is probably the the limit at which Joseph would uh, would tackle. Yeah, so, well, you, you, you I know, know I have an Osmo. Um, I got one on your recommendation, and I needed yeah. it for a commercial shoot that I did a few months ago now, and it's the only shoot that I've used it on. We actually we did bring it to New Orleans, um, shot a little bit with it, but it didn't make it into the final cut. But uh, no, it's an incredible camera, and yeah, the quality is good. It's obviously not as good as something like what you get off a of GH4, but it's still very good. And you know, especially in the right lighting, you know, that's one of those where in good lighting it looks fantastic. Uh, you know, the lighting starts to go, the quality drops pretty quickly. But no, oh, I mean, it's a fantastic device, and you know, I want to be as tool agnostic as I can. Obviously, shooting a project for Panasonic, we're shooting on the Panasonic gear, and not because we have to, but because it really, really was ideal for what we were doing. Um, you know, you get that smaller, lightweight camera on a handheld rig shooting 4K straight into a, a Ninja Assassin and still hand-holding the whole thing. That's pretty awesome. Obviously, uh, the Osmo is way lighter than that, way lighter. But I don't have, 
the capture quality, I don't have the sensor size, I don't have the um, the audio syncing with it. There's a lot of things that I don't get out of that. So, you know, but there are times we brought it because we might need it. Um, if we wanted to go through a crowded street and have something really, really small, that was going to be what we'd use, but we ended up not using it. Yeah. You could, I mean, what you could do with that same technology is you could use the X5, which is their four thirds gimbal. Mm -hmm. You can mount it on an Osmo mm -hmm. and then you have the dynamic range Absolutely. and you have the interchangeable lenses and things like that. The Oles, the Panasonic lenses and such. So that would be awesome. Yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. yeah and I've looked at that. Is that, that. all the pieces for that aren't there yet, right? To put it on the handheld Correct. gimbal? As far yeah. as I know, they're, are they, are they out? Yeah. Yeah, it is? you okay. can you can there's two models of the Osmo so you can get the Osmo. I don't know. I think it may be the same handle, but you get you can get the Osmo, which is what we have, Joseph. Mm -hmm. And then the X5 version uses that mount. Um, but obviously you, you don't get the whole it's a micro four thirds mount, but you right. don't you don't get the whole breadth of micro four thirds lenses because right. it still has to balance and all that. So right. I think it's, it's three or four lenses length. that it's designed for now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically the same lenses that will work on a, on an Inspire will work right. on the Osmo. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's here now. I always forget about that for some reason. I forget that there's there is kind of a pro level Osmo that you could purchase. I right thought now. for some reason I thought that the so the X5 is available, of course, but the mm -hmm. connection between the X5 and the handle, I thought that's what was missing. That was the delay. I that think they the need delay. to beef up the mount or something because when, when oh, I think we were at WPPI, I don't know if it was out then, but I haven't followed it since I've, I let my Inspire One go. But you know, that opens up. Yeah. a huge yeah, amount absolutely. of creative possibilities with that totally. just with that handle yeah 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 so many so many cool tools in it yeah it, it becomes a you know like chris if you're a minimalist it becomes like your own personal you know i don't know hell or whatever because yeah. you have all these different all these different things that just you could shoot one, with chris just yeah it. it's like yeah you can't sometimes it's better just to have one thing that you yep, have to shoot yep with, but, nailed it but, exactly there's a new photography conference on the scene, and it's called Out of Chicago, and it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience, so you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. All right, guys, we're getting close to the end of the show here. Let's uh, let's do our picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys, Chris, can pick something to recommend to the TWIP army. It can be anything uh -huh. as long as it is somehow related to photography. Chris, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? Wow. As far as photography, I guess what I'm on right now is just modifying light mm -hmm. um, and using simple modifiers. And being in Arizona, um, I got to give it up to Magmod. 
I've been using MagMod stuff for creating different types of light, and they have this new product coming out where um, essentially it's a bunch of gobos, different you know different gobos for their new light system, and they have this mag something or other that beams the light mag beam or something and mm -hmm. that concentrates the light and you know so those oh, are the we things talked that, about um, that on twip listeners are gonna oh. know we <laughs> talked about that because uh david hobby uh -huh. called them out on that because uh -huh. they uh in their marketing materials they were making the claim that it increased the output from your uh, your illumination uh -huh. source which uh -huh. is impossible at least right. You know, maybe somewhere in the multiverse it's possible, but in this particular dimension, <laughs> you can't, three, you can't really works. create something from nothing. So, so you know, to their to their defense, they were you know they revised things and said, yeah, like you're saying, Chris, they you they focus the light right. on a certain point, which thereby increases the amount of light falling on that. But yeah. the way that it was written and the way that they had sold a lot of ink, a, a lot of money you know yeah. in this product was Ooh, under the yeah. claim that it somehow increased the light output by a couple of stops from your device which was yeah you know Not as uh, so david good. hobby said disingenuous <laughs> you know? but for, for me being like you know photography is just an is kind of an expression of what i want to do you know mm -hmm. i can go do it solo you know i can do it anytime i want i can do it at night i can do it in the morning whenever in between at open houses or whatever um but the creative flexibility that they're, the, the gobos are the main thing that I really like. Cause I don't have, I don't work with assistants. You know, I have two light stands that I barely use. Uh -huh. um, so being able to go out and like throw light in different patterns without cutting through cardboard, which is what I've been doing. That's awesome. <laughs> I cut through cardboard and like make slits for light and stuff like See? that. They're You're the antithesis cool. of Joseph Maskey. You're <laughs> no, hey, come on. no, you know, remember I've got that DIY course on Linda, and we have a whole video on cutting out making cookies oh, using. Right. Oh, nice! I, I gotta go find that because that's what like in my in my office at home, I just have like Amazon Prime boxes that, <laughs> <laughs> that I've just cut in different sizes and different shapes and stuff, and I've been using that for gobos, but. You know that is the thing that I'm on recently is is the the Magmod Gobos that they have for for their their system. That's that's awesome. I'm excited about that. Nice. Very cool. Perfect. And that that my friend is your first pick of the week on this week in photo. So to to, to live it in infamy forever. So congratulations. Cool and thanks for that. Joseph, uh, what about you, man? What is your pick of the week? I've got a nice and inexpensive iOS app for you. That's my pick of the week. It's called Preset. And this is a, a, a bit of a segue to my show that we talked about at the, at the top of the show, the new Twip Apps uh, podcast that I'm doing. And this is an app that is featured on one of my uh, one of my first three podcasts. Actually, episode three it'll be. So the app is called Preset. And there you go. That's the one. Um, it's, uh, it is an app where you can create your own recipes of filters, both for corrective and for creative use. And when you, uh, once you create a recipe, it's just really, really easy to apply that recipe to any number of photos. And you can obviously go back and edit your recipe and so on. Uh, so you can kind of make your own Instagram effect type filters if you if you want to look at it that way without having to go through and rebuild the recipe every time. You just pull up a photo, tap it on, and, and apply it. It's pretty slick. And there's something about it, the way that you um, 
browse your library with the filters that is really, really clever and I don't want to give it away. It's something you got to watch the podcast to see um, or obviously buy the app. So yeah, it is, uh, it's pretty slick. It's only two bucks right now. The developer is price experimenting. He's trying to figure out what the right price point for it is. And uh, it's on uh, across iOS. So on your iPhone or iPad, even iPad Pro, apparently. I haven't uh, put it on mine yet uh, to double check that, but that's what the dev said. So yeah. It's uh, called Preset, Preset App. If you look for it, you had it up on the screen there for a moment. If you're looking for it in the App Store, uh, you'll, if you just type in Preset, you're going to find a lot of different things because Preset's obviously very generic. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to take you right to it. Absolutely. Nice. Cool. Good Is that good. Rao Studios? Is yep. that the one? Rao Studios. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Preset R-A-O App by Rao Studios. Studios. Yeah. That's the one. Nice. All right, I will download it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Joseph, for adding more stuff to my uh, my phone that I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, guys, my pick is kind of related to photography, maybe because a photographer owns it, but oh. it is uh, <laughs> it's this thing. You guys may have seen it. It's called the Amazon Tap. Have you heard of it? So this is a little brother to Alexa, which is. I hope she's not hearing me because she's gonna start talking. But it is uh, the Alexa, which is which is Amazon's voice control kind of answer to Siri, which I think Apple should have made, but it works insanely well. This thing is essentially Alexa, um, but it's it's basically Alexa, but it's in a portable Bluetooth speaker form that you can take with you with a rechargeable battery and a little stand that you stick it on, and it works just like Alexa, only it's not voice activated. So. That's why they call it the tap, because you have to press the speaker button, which is right here on the front, and ask it questions. Like, and you know, for example, I took this to Mexico with me. You connect to the Wi-Fi at wherever establishment you're in, and you now have voice control. So I could say things like, uh, let's see, what's the weather like in Cancun? In Cancun, Mexico, it's 82 degrees with partly sunny skies. Today, uh, you can look for mostly sunny weather with a high of 86 and a low of 76. Uh, I need to go back to Mexico. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, but check this out. So I've got my house wired up to, and there's there's Alexa downstairs. There's, you know, devices around the house that I can control the house through voice. And they also work through this. So for example, my studio lights in my office right now are wired into Alexa. So I could say, turn the studio lights off. Okay. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes. No, you didn't. Turn Frank the Drake. studio lights on. Okay. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> you love her. <laughs> I, you know what? We are in a relationship. Frederick, right? what happens if you say, open the pod bay doors, Hal? <laughs> so, man, dude, it is, it is so cool. And you get so used to doing that. I have to press the button on the tap, obviously. But downstairs... It's all voice activated, so I can just say, "Hey Alexa, wow. turn the lights on." And so boom, the, that Philips on. lighting system that they have—do you have you heard of that? It's Hue. Hue? Yeah, yeah, yeah Philips Hue. Yeah, Alexa works be, with that too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that would be awesome for a studio application for sure. Oh, it's totally. fun. Yeah, I've got Hue in here. Oh, it is man, fun. Freddie, what are you um, what are you turning the lights on and off with? What do you have the the lights plugged into that Alexa's controlling? The right now I have a couple of Wemo controllers. Wemos, okay. So. Yeah, so, you know, it works reasonably well. I know there's, like, other... They work with a, a myriad of things, like smart things and, you know, Philips Hue. It goes on and on and on. So I could wire, I could literally wire up the entire house so that I could be opening the garage. Yeah, and, sure. You know, it's connect... I have Nest thermostats in the house, so I could say, 
Alexa set the upstairs temperature to 65 degrees. You realize you just, say, you just set like okay. a thousand households to 65 degrees by doing that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you got to do, you, you got to do the, the, you know, use a code word. We're not going to use the A name. We're going to call it Albert. Albert, do this. Yeah, so that on the I show. Know. That's my pet peeve. That is my pet peeve about Alexa. <laughs> is is uh, I wish I could change the name to something else. I thought like, you I could. Wanna, no, I thought I heard. I want to name my devices. Name. I don't know, like G, like Jarvis or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvis. That reminds me of the Apple, the most recent Apple event where they were doing the Hey Siri, you know, type of thing, and they yeah. had to speak with the delay so everyone's phones in the audience wouldn't go <laughs> and just start talking. You know. Like you just did. You just yeah, activated everyone's phone. Everyone's phone is like going crazy right now. Sorry. Hey, Sorry, it's internet. The, it is it is the uh, the voice activation world we're in. But yeah, so this thing this thing is cool. Battery powered. When you're away from internet, it is essentially just a really cool Bluetooth speaker. So it loses its connectivity. You can't answer any questions or anything. But you, you can play music and all that stuff through it from your phone. Then when you get back to your hotel room, it has a little dock. You just put it on oh, the dock, cool. it's connected to your Wi-Fi, and now you can ask it questions, set alarms. Everything that you could do with Alexa, you can do with this thing. Just, you have wow. to press the button. So, Does that I'm thing learn like, like other voice type of assistants? Does it learn your habits or start to mm -hmm. kind of... Wow. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's and cool. uh, it sounds like an Alexa commercial, but it uh, the you can set it up because it's an Amazon device and obviously they want to sell you stuff. Uh -huh. It's connected to your Amazon Prime account and that includes all your Amazon music and all that. So you can set up. <laughs> yeah, you can set up. You can set up things to buy. <laughs> no, no, no. Chris is buying one right now. <laughs> but, but you can set it up things that you that you buy over and over again. Like you could say, you know, Alexa, uh, buy laundry detergent and she'll say okay, are you works. sure you want me to buy laundry detergent and you can say yes and she's like okay I ordered it it's coming <laughs> better talk to your wife Christopher <laughs> yeah yeah but there's restrictions in there too you can set it in the Amazon app you can say you know require a passcode to authenticate purchases so you don't have wow. people coming into your house buying stuff and all that wow so yeah it's it's cool it's a cool device the, the Alexa system is one of the coolest devices that I've ever purchased and I think and that says a lot because I've purchased a lot of devices and I think um, as I look at this thing it seems like this is definitely something that Apple should have made and had Siri in to build into the house you know especially with the watches and all this stuff right it seems like the personification of Siri should have been in here but hey more power to Amazon they did it and they, wow. they hit it out of the park I love wow. that thing nice so that's that's my pick of the week, Joseph. I know you're ordering a tap right now, aren't you? No, no, I haven't. I haven't got into it yet. Um, you know, I keep waiting for Siri to get better, and it's yeah, it is yeah. frustrating. Uh, it's very frustrating. You know, Siri I gave, You know, to I haven't given up completely on Siri, but it's just when you use an Amazon device like the Tap or the Echo, it the inst the the speed at which it recognizes your voice and the accuracy is spooky. Yeah, like you don't have wow. to shout, you don't have to do all this stuff. You just say. You know, hey, Alexa, set set an alarm for six o'clock and she'll set the alarm for six o'clock. You don't have to tap dance or any of that yeah. stuff. And it just works. Conversely, with Siri, it's it's almost like walking. Working with Alexa is like walking through water. Working with Siri sometimes is like walking through syrup. 
you know, it's just it's it's more viscous. You got to give it a right. little more effort for her to get Arrows, it. Sometimes Arrows, she just Arrows. directs you to the web <laughs> for the answer. You know, yeah. whereas it's ninety nine percent out of the Alexa devices, I get the right answer right wow. away, and I'm on. So yeah, just the the uh, HomeKit connection. I don't know what's happening with HomeKit, but two years ago, you know, HomeKit was the thing, and it's still it's not connected to Wemo. It's not connected to um, Hue unless you. Well, I guess right. now you can buy a new hub for Hue, and I suppose that works, but. You know, I want to be able to say, like you just did the turn on the lights. I want to be able to say that turn on my coffee maker, which is connected to mm-hmm. um, to a Wemo device. And it's it, there that isn't there, and it drives me nuts. So, yeah, I do see this. I do see Echo, and I keep going, wow, it has the connections that, you know, I've got smart things. I've got Hue. I've got Wemo. I've got all these things, and this works on all of them. It does. Uh-huh. It does. Amazon is just, wow. they're crushing it with that stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know what Apple's doing. Yeah, you're right. HomeKit was supposed to be the promise. In fact, I heard rumors that the the Apple TV three or the new Apple TV was supposed to have Siri built into it and and sort of this omnipresent listening thing. I heard rumors to that so that it would essentially be like a an Alexa. That's what I thought because mm. it's already in your house and you could mm. say hey and it connect to your the the HomeKit systems and be the hub for HomeKit right. and that never materialized. So. You know, yeah, I'm not getting any younger, so yeah, it's got Siri. You know, I'm sure you have one. It's got Siri. You can, you know, you push and hold the button on the remote, and that works great mm-hmm. for the TV stuff for the most part. Um, but yeah, it doesn't do anything else. And yeah, sure, there were lots of rumors that it was going to be a, hub, a HomeKit hub, and that obviously was not either not true or just you know it's still a secret, and not out yet. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean the remote, the, the Apple TV remote is fine. It, it's it's little and hard to. It's hard to find and it's slippery and it's black, you know, and it just kind of gets in the couch cushions and all that for this kind of stuff. I need I want, you know, once you try the omnipresent listening thing and you're in your kitchen and you're cooking, you just say, hey, you know, Alexa, set a timer for 15 minutes. Boom. And it's set. You don't. it's like having another person, another set of hands in the house. You don't have to go find a remote and press and hope it understands you. It just it just adds a level of intelligence to my house. And it's not that expensive. Like the the main Alexa device is one hundred and seventy nine bucks for all the stuff that it does. And then these come down from there. I think the tap is less than that. And they've got a little one, which is called the Amazon dot, which is like Alexa, but without the speaker part. So that's the one that you take and plug it into your stereo speakers. So Alexa is coming through the entire house or whatever. So. Yeah, so they're 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 on it. Yeah, yeah. For the the set an alarm type of thing, I use my Apple Watch for that, and that does work reasonably well because I'm cooking, hands are dirty, obviously, and I can just say, you know, hey Siri, yada yada, tell what to do, and that works out pretty. <laughs> hey Siri, just woke up over here. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, Thank you. Now you want to work, Siri? Now, now, exactly. uh, now you're. But you were talking about the remote. I want to give you a little tip on that Apple remote because my biggest frustration with it was knowing which side is up. You know, yes. I'd always pick it up upside down. There's a wrist strap. Of course, it's you know, probably like a $20 wrist strap or something, but it's a little wrist strap that plugs into the lightning port. Oh. This is made by Apple. And so now you've got the wrist straps. So you always know what's bottom. You always know. And oh, it's, right. it also makes it easier to grab. It's sitting on the couch. You just grab that little strap. And um, yeah, that's like the best addition to that. Awesome. I'm ordering that today. Yeah. Two of them, <laughs> at least. Yeah, you're, we're, we're talking about this remote here. I forgot yep, I had one. It. There here. you go. So it plugs in right yep. there. There you go. There you go. There you right. go. Cool. 
All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Do you guys have any big projects you want to let us know about, Joseph? What's coming up for you? Well, so other than, of course, the uh, the TWIP apps podcast, um, I'm now that the broadcast studio is finally all in place, and it's, it's one of these things. I mean, I know I've said on this show and many others that I'm about to start doing this, about to start doing this, but this system, there's been a lot of pieces on this that have been an absolute nightmare, but it's finally all in place. Not for a lack of spending money. Um, <laughs> now, it's, now it's time to turn this thing to a profit center because, <laughs> you know, Joseph, I want to I want to add some salt in that wound. What Please. you're building there is a really nice WordPress installation with a bunch of plugins that you're going to need to upgrade whenever they rev. <laughs> so. No, 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 I don't know. See, I can do. I don't know how well this will work. Let's see, because this isn't set up for the right thing. But um, if I do this, so I don't know if you what if you could look at. My screen, you'll see the two side by side there. That was the latest. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, and see, you're up there. So I could do the whole show like this. And as you guys talk back and forth, I'm always on screen. And that's part oh, of... Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. Look at that. Well, I wouldn't even tell you what it costs to get that up and running properly. But that is that is a huge part of what I've been trying to get right. So um, now that that's working, I have that. That's for the whole call-in, the whole Skype call-in. I can put you... I can do... I can rearrange that however I like. I can do a little picture-in-picture picture, side by side, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but all that switching is now in place. Anyway, so to answer the question, what's coming up? It's the live training uh, Lightroom for Aperture users. That's what's about to start. And we're doing episode one of that this Friday. So oh, wow. yeah, we're finally, finally, finally doing this. I've been telling people for months I'm going to do it. The only reason I haven't was because I wanted to get this done properly. And now it's here. Um, so I can do it. So, so just just as you roll over that a little bit, so it's a live training. It's Lightroom for Aperture users. So it's a course that's going to help people that are in Aperture right now make the transition over to Lightroom. Make the transition over, or even if you're already using Lightroom, but you just you know Aperture really well, this will help you to go. Oh, that's how this is done in Lightroom. Uh, or oh, here's cool. how I work around this feature that isn't uh, there or flat out you just can't do this in Lightroom sorry um, but then obviously there's the here's something in Lightroom that didn't exist in Aperture so there's a you know some advantages too of course so that's that's what the course is designed for and, and the way that we do the live training is I'll broadcast live and that's free to watch and then after the broadcast you'll be able to purchase the download uh, later, so you can buy the video later. So, like the creative live awesome. model, sort of, right? very similar to that. Yeah, it's the pricing is is quite a bit cheaper because I sell each individual video, and we are um, we've been playing with the subscription model as well. That it probably won't be ready to go by Friday, but we're trying to get uh, get a subscription set up in the store so you can pay a monthly fee to have access to those videos at any time for free. So cool. Or not for awesome. free, but you know, that's great. In your I know we'll 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 tell the world about that because I know a ton of people that are that are you know in that refugee raft right sure. now that are looking for the path of least resistance to moving into Lightroom. Yeah. So that's yeah. And that's as I always say on, on my my uh, podcast on my uh, site as well, it, I'm not by any stretch saying that Lightroom is what everybody should do. Lightroom mm -hmm. is the choice that I've made. Uh, there's a variety of reasons for that, but I've chosen to move to Lightroom, and I'm going to help people who want to make that transition into Lightroom because I can. There's certainly other options out there and I wouldn't I'm not telling anybody that they shouldn't go there. I just am not doing the live training on it because I can't I can't use every app to the extent that I use something like Lightroom or Aperture. I can't know them all that well. I'm you know I'm also a working photographer so uh, there's only so much time I could spend on that. But we do Absolutely. have training on PhotoApps.expert for all those other apps as well. More and more tips keep coming in. Capture Pro, uh, Capture One is a big one. We get a lot of tips on Capture One in there. Love it. Love it. Cool, man. That's great. Nice. Yeah, we'll That's definitely, awesome. we'll, TWIP will help you drive people over there. And it's just photoapps.expert slash live. That's right? right. That's right. 
All right, cool. And uh, what else you got? I see in the notes here you have the GX85 New Orleans video. So we'll put that in the, we'll embed that in the blog post there you for go. the yep. show. Yeah, perfect. Very cool. All right, Chris Berry, what about you? What yes, do you have sir. coming up? I am going to be traveling a lot, as much as I can. Um, I think I mentioned Iceland in August, which <clears throat> I'd missed the, the ticket window for Burning Man, which I usually would do. But um, Iceland is in the mix. And then trying to get into Cuba. A friend of mine is into drumming and traveling and, and he's been to Cuba and he's like, hey man, you got to go. So I just want to get in front of a lot more scenes and just kind of change a little and add more a little bit to what I shoot. Um, so traveling and kind of rounding myself out as a photographer and hobbyist is what I want to do next. So my projects are not so intense, but just kind of expanding a little bit in the in the container that I have right now. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. I hit that same epiphany moment a couple of years ago where imagine my position where I'm talking to people like Joseph and, you know, Doug Kay and Valerie Uh and these folks that are traveling the world, getting these fantastic images. And I wasn't really traveling that much. Right. So you hit the realization that, Hey, you have all this great gear and you have to bite the bullet and get on a plane and go to where the images are. They're not going to come to you. So, you know, putting that's half, that's like 60, 70% of the battle is just taking yourself out of your comfort zone and plopping yourself down with your gear someplace to kind of, you know, ignite those creative juices and get you excited about getting cool shots. So yeah, bravo. Yeah. I'm, I'm still doing the same thing. Just came back from Mexico. Yeah. I'm heading to Cuba soon. There's another Vietnam trip. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I am free to move about the planet now. Yeah. We got to <laughs> talk about Cuba. That could be a cool joint thing. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's cool. talk about it. I'll tell you I'll tell you my details and we can uh, you know, figure out what works. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks, for their support of the show. Also, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.